Dueling Dialogues is brought to you by our affiliates at IX Web Hosting. Click the banner on the right left chronicles.com to get up to 40% off your first year of the best hosting on the planet. Today's episode of Dueling Dialogue is brought to you by Saucy Eva. Gma's marinade is coming soon to a plate near you to gourmetize your meats and proteins. Coming to you from that once-forgotten artery that pulses through the center of the continental United States and into the heart of the Ozarks, Grace Matthews. Looking in from the northern border, our Canadian friend, along with his countrymen feeling the effects of U.S. political issues, Connor Murphy. Welcome to Dueling Dialogues, Episode 76. I'm Connor Murphy here with Grace Matthews and the Hammer in Springfield, Missouri. Hi, guys. Hi, how you doing? Hey, what's happening? I'm back. Ah, uh, yes, back from the dead. Yes, and th- you're right. I felt dead. Yeah, it's a bad flu, that's for sure. Yes, it is, and I, I, uh, I couldn't come on because I kept having these cough attacks. These, I mean, anyone that's had this, you can feel really fine, but you cough and cough and cough. And it would have been gross, and I didn't want to gross anybody out <laughs> any more than normal. So, therefore, I had to take a hiatus. But I was here in spirit. Okay, awesome. Yeah. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. What are we talking about today? Well, you know, we're still on the heels of this Parkland school shooting. Right. And let me tell you, a lot is going on. But these kids are remarkable kids. They're articulate. They're smart. They're actually logical, but they want results. They want to be protected by the adults. Right. And uh, President Trump is listening to them. However, the narrative that's going on in the media and the narrative that's going on with the politicians is a softening, a softening of some of our loss. Hmm. What we're seeing on our own show is a little bit different than that. Our, our audience is not for softening. So I want to point that out. There are so many components. Now, one of the first things we thought we would talk about is there's this article that you found in the National Post. Right. And what it does is it takes several of these shootings and compares the gun laws in Canada and the gun laws in America and says, hey, would this same thing have happened with Canadian gun laws. Right. For example, one of the first ones is Columbine. Would Columbine have happened in Canada? Now, they say likely not. I say bull crap. Okay. Here's why I say that. The Columbine kids would have, they actually altered the guns. They knew a lot. They got some of them illegally as well, which uh, that could happen in any country then. Gun laws aren't going to stop them. Right. Exactly. And in fact, in most cases, like we talked about before the show started, there is one unique difference, and this is not scientific, that I find between America and Canada is we are a little bit more rebel, you know? For whatever reason, the people that came over and founded our country was a little more rebel-like because we have those kinds of genes. Good or bad. I mean, Canadians are a little less warlike and angry than Americans. Oh, you haven't been to Alberta lately. 
Well, that's true. That's true. Yeah, but you haven't been down to the Ozarks, bud. True. Down true. here, man, I'm telling you, you got these old, good old fashioned rednecks, and they, their guns are next to godliness. Right. Well, and I don't think it's yeah. just in the Ozarks. I, I think it's really basically in the middle of the country. And I even believe in Florida. You know, the Florida House would not make it uh, change the age to 21 for obtaining an, an AR-15. That happened today on the heels of this. And I I would have. I don't think you need one before 21. I think that is it's a minute issue. It's doing something. It's doing something that's not going to stop anything. Yeah. Nevertheless... There was an old article years ago that talked about the way that they called it the tribes split up. And they, they talked about how the brothers that could not pronounce their H's well stayed in the UK. And the ones that could pronounce their H's came to America and became Americans. <laughs> okay. It's an interesting concept if you think about it. There's something in the genes of people that make them go and do and be what they are. And, and it takes many generations to change that. And we're all, to a certain extent, indoctrinated. I mean, during Vietnam, where did some of our less warlike people run? To Canada. Uh, true, but I mean, we opened up this country the same as you guys did. Pretty much. There wasn't a lot of, of differences. We had the Indian Wars. You know, growing up on a farm in Saskatchewan, I had a gun in my hand every day of my life as a boy. It was a way of life. So I Absolutely. understand it. I understand it. Do I have guns so, now? No, I don't. Would you have done the pal thing back on the farm? Actually, I did. That's how I, I and, took and a... What a could you explain to our, our listeners the PAL? Well, um, it's basically an application, and, and in order to even start an application, you have to take a gun safety course. Exactly. So until you pass that safety course, you can't even apply for a license, and a, and a PAL is a possession acquisition license. Right. So in Canada last year, there was 400,000. 336 were rejected because of mental issues. So right. four, 400,000. And you all keep better track of mental issues, I believe, than we do. Well, I, I don't honestly know how they do it, but basically the, the PAL goes to your local detachment of the RCMP. So they're doing a federal search on whether you have, um, you know, a criminal record, uh, domestic. You even have to basically list your ex-spouse. And if you're angry, you're not getting a license. Right, because that ex-spouse is going to say you shouldn't have one. Right. Okay, we're very attached to the right to bear arms in the United States. And the way I kind of see the PAL is it's great and it would be nice. I don't think it would ever work here. I think it would be somewhat like getting a driver's license in California and you check the box if you're illegal. Well, you got to imagine some people in Canada, like criminal networks, they find one guy that's got a clean record that buys all the, the, you know, the firearms for their club or their gang or whatever. And that's, that's what they're trying to stop now or figure out how to stop it. Back here in the Midwest, especially, there's so many, uh, and I'm going to use this term, farming communities, to where kids are taught how to use a gun 
and to hunt at like a very, birds. very early yeah. age. And and here, it's not just boys, you know, it's boys and girls. There are, are lots of girls that are proficient with rifles that hunt deer. They go out and get bucks and, and they post them on the internet. I mean, it's a big deal for dad and daughter to go out and, and hunt. It's not just the guy and his son. It's been going on for generation after generation. It's part of the culture to indoctrinate your son, your daughter, on the use of a gun, how to take care of a gun, what's the good, the bad. Now, we throw in the, the mental part of it, and, you know, that we that throws that whole deal out of whack. But most of the time, the kids here respect firearms um, because they've been taught by their mother well, or their father. To. Yeah. I didn't want to learn to shoot. My dad made me because, because he thought War. you should learn. See? The Cold War was going on. He thought the Russians were going to come down here and I'd need to shoot or kill them. Now, and that meant I also had to go quail hunting and all sorts of things. And now I kind of appreciate that. But the first time I had to shoot one, I bawled like a baby because it was scary. I, I thought they were they were bad. But you're right. I mean, kids often in this area are not really given a choice. It's what you do. Now, let's talk about where we get these guns. Okay. We talk about all the time, and they're talking about in all these instances, people going and buying guns. And a lot of times they do go buy guns, and, and nothing kicks in. No mental health issues, no police records, no, you know, in that church shooting, there was a bad military record that had not been reported. But the simple fact of the matter is, most guns are not bought at a store, and not even bought at a gun shop. They are bought from your neighbor, the farmer. I mean, a lot of times it's a trade. Somebody don't have money to pay for something. They give guns. My God, they play pool for guns around here. Yeah, see, that can't happen in Canada. That is an illegal sale of a gun. You would have to sell it to another person with a pal. And I'm not sure the whole process around that, but there's no private gun sales without selling to a person that has a pal. Well, I'm sure that it happens, but not and often. There's, a, there's some restrictions. If you go through this list, like they started with Columbine, Virginia Tech, Fort Hood, Sandy Hook, Aurora, Orlando Nightclub, Las Vegas, the Sutherland Springs Church, and then the Florida shooting. Right. And in, in almost all of those cases, the POW should not have been given out due to mental issues, except the Las Vegas shooter. Now, there was one other restriction is uh, some of the weapons that were used in these mass shootings, they're illegal in Canada. Right. Um, now, that was very few of them. Uh, but it really the, was. But it was just the restriction on the capacity. Now, if you go through and you add up all the victims, you it comes to like, I don't know, 246 or something. So around 250 people just restricting the amount in the magazine. There might be a lot of people still walking around. Yeah, but it also explained that on some of those magazines, you could just pull the pens. Yes, So you exactly. could kind of overcome that, right. too. Right. And so, another thing is bump stocks are illegal. 
Right, bump stocks, and I do believe that bump stocks are going to become illegal. Yeah, they're going to. Now, really, that was only an issue in the Las Vegas shooting, right? Right, exactly. So, so going through that list, basically, the Las Vegas shooter would have passed everything in Canada to be able to do that. With, I mean, he had the illegal bump stock, yeah, and he had the large magazine capacity. So, you know, he was in violation there of a couple things. Another one was uh, Sandy Hook. That one, the mother, it was the mother's guns. Exactly. Yeah, so in Canada, she would have been charged with improper storage of a firearm. Well, and and my point is a couple of these others that were able to buy a gun, for example, the one in Parkland. Had he not been able to buy a gun at a store, I still, I maintain he still would have gotten one. He has money. Now, this just came out, I believe, this morning or late yesterday. He is due to inherit over a million dollars. So this is not a poor kid, even though he was living in a trailer park since his adoptive mother died. The estate just hasn't been settled. So him and his brother are due to each get more than a million dollars. So they had money. And he bought this, you know, back last February. So his he was still living with his adopted mother then. Right. Correction, though. His lawyer is about to get over a million dollars. Well, that's the reason this came up is does he get, um, does he have to get a different attorney? Hmm. Because he has been assigned to one because he hasn't actually inherited the money yet because the estate isn't settled yet. Good question. So that's an interesting turn. But also, what is a mental health issue? Now, in the United States, we have over-prescribed antidepressants to the point that three out of five people take them. These are people, in general, that would never break the law, that own guns. They're simply depressed, or maybe they're not even that depressed, but doctors have prescribed them. Are we going to go through and take guns away from three out of five adults? Yeah, that won't happen. It's not going to happen, Okay. What are we going to do about, I know a family, and they have a lot of guns, huge cash of guns. They have a daughter that is in and out of heroin use, okay? She's also spent a lot of time with a major drug trafficker that's been in their house a lot. Now, in, in my opinion, they shouldn't have a damn gun in their house. Well, if he's a drug dealer, he needs one. Well, he's not. What kind of drug dealer doesn't have a gun? The daughter brings in... Oh, I see what you're saying. You see what I'm saying? So it's not really him. He would pass. But these kids have access to his house and potentially his guns. I mean, you go, well, keep them locked up. They may be locked up, but geez. I mean, there's lots of ways to get into a locked... Most, you know, I've seen gun cabinets that you might not be able to get into, but most... People do not have those. I looked at a house once, and I guarantee you, you wouldn't have gotten in that guy's gun cabinet. <laughs> in fact, he said it would stay with the house. So it was that kind of thing. So what are you going to do? It's not going to happen in the United States. I mean, one thing that the Americans are very proud of is the right to bear arms. So my point is you've got to keep those guys with guns away from the kids, the bad guys with the guns. And the only way you can do that is to treat it like it was a courthouse, a social security office, whatever. You you check people before they enter the building. 
and you have people armed outside the building, like you talked about, veterans. Right. Um, the president actually brought that up in the meeting with his children the other day. Yeah, they got, what, 445,000 veterans? Oh, I don't know. I, didn't even I know heard a number. number. I think if that's what it was that were, quote, unemployed or not working. But, my gosh, don't you think they know how to handle guns and they have a way of looking at people and... Uh, sizing up the situation. Most of them come back and become police officers and security guards and private investigators. Well, and I had one person say to me in response to our show the other day, well, what about, what if you get a guy in there with PTSD? Well, you know, I have heard of a lot of cases where guys have had PTSD and kind of lost it. Never once had they been chasing down kids with a gun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Never once has that been their MO or their thing to do. So that really doesn't worry me. Plus, you know, hopefully you would vet them. Yeah, absolutely. But in every case, the shooting has lasted about three to five minutes. It takes law enforcement five to eight minutes to get there. Right. Having someone with a gun may not eliminate death, but it could certainly reduce it. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of like you're talking about the smaller um, magazines. You know, if if you can only do 10 rounds versus, I don't know, how many rounds. Somehow we need to keep them out of the buildings. Yeah. When they get in, just like the kid knew to pull the fire alarm, that they would automatically all come out in the hallway, and then they're sitting ducks. Right. It's just like everything. you, You need to make it as hard as you can on them. You know, I I hate to say this, but the schools need one way in, one way way out, out. unless unless there is a fire or something like that. Where being able to that way you can control who enters and who doesn't enter. Like this, they already had a knew that this kid was a problem, but yet he still got in the building. They knew that he would could be a problem if he got in the building, but yet it still happened. And you you can't let that. That's got to be the number one thing is to keep, I don't care if you, I don't know if you need metal detectors, if you need a fence around the school. Maybe uh, you need all of it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if you need a an armed guard, but I tell you what. There has to be a deterrent. Are, there does. And, you know, uh, uh, maybe you need a guy standing there with a Yeah, I, I don't gun. think there's any well, way without we, it. Are we overthinking it? Because we're certainly keeping people with guns off of planes. Can't we do the same for our children? I mean, yeah. you go to the airport, you go through the metal detector, you you know, sure, they find some guns, but those people, they haven't gotten through shooting up people either. Yeah, I think they're, the only way is to have the one entrance. You could have multiple exits, one entrance, Absolutely. going through, going through metal detectors and having armed guards there. That's the only yeah. way that this is going to stop. What is our most precious commodity? Kids. Our children, our babies, yeah. you know, I mean, and I, I I, think they're worth it. And these kids from Parkland, I truly give them a hand because they're changing the narrative. I don't agree with everything they want. I don't necessarily think everything will work. But what I do think is they've changed it and things will change. And that's taken 20 years since Columbine. Yeah. yeah. And that's too damn long. I think that... People would be surprised to how many veterans would 
I don't know, volunteer absolutely. Yeah. to work a shift or whatever in a community to guard kids. Are you kidding me? Half of them could probably, you know, some they probably know several of them. It could be their grandchild could be in the in the school. You know, we have got to and we've got to use some of the resources that we have and use these people's expertise because they have been around that. They have been around people like that that are, quote, crazy or whatever you want to say that can come in and shoot people and not feel it. And well, and they, you know, the system failed this kid, too, that did the shooting. Yeah, and by failing him, they failed everyone that he shot that day, the people he killed and the people he injured. Yeah, he should have, it should have never gotten that far. No, you know, maybe he was at one point savable. I don't know. Now he's not, along with his victims. A sad deal. A sad deal. It is sad. You know, you, you get to the point where you want to, to say something that's, I guess, fits the feeling of it, but you just can't. The words sometimes don't come to the feelings that you're feeling for these these kids and the, the parents that lost their children. You sent them to school. Why? Well, yeah, they went to school that day. You expect them to come home. Yeah. And, you know, we could we can beat this all day long, but, my God, something's got to be done. Well, it's and just, let me tell you, there is another thought out there, and that thought is that... We didn't have this problem when we had insane asylums and we institutionalized people much easier. Now, it's true. Statistically, it's true. I do not think that professionals in the field of psychology or medicine have the stomach to put people in institutions at a, at a greater amount than they do right now. It's like you were talking, they'd rather give them a pill. Well, they would rather give them a pill, but they would rather not make that life decision. you got to know that people that are attracted to that discipline tend to be humanitarians. And things that happened in insane asylums at one point was really horrible. And the drugs they tested on people was really horrible to the people institutionalized. Nevertheless, there is a group of people out there and uh, one, of the, one of the people that is talking the most about it is Greg Gottfeld on um, Fox News. Statistically, we did not have these kinds of shootings. If you remember, the first one was in the late 70s or the early 80s, a guy got on top of a building and shot a bunch of people in a McDonald's. And that was the first we had ever heard. It was like a sniper. And I remember as a kid just being just appalled by that and really could not understand how anybody thought of doing that. And of course we had Charles Manson and we had some people that did things, but statistically it was almost non-existent. And I still say statistically with the amount of guns that are in the United States, we don't have near as many gun incidents as one might think we should have, but we have got to take care of the serious mentally ill. But we also have to decide what is seriously mentally ill and who's going to make that decision. Because I can tell you that people in that medical discipline are going to shy away from it. They're going to do what they did with this kid. A social worker had assessed him a few months ago and said he was not a harm to anyone. Mm-hmm. And my guess is she did that to be PC. Because I just don't see how. If you just went by the 39 
visits by cops and the fact that his mother was often afraid of him. How you could say that unless you either just didn't want to get involved or you wanted to be PC. Yeah. But you need another job. That's for damn sure. Yeah. So. Well, the things do have to change. They they need to put in deterrence and that has to happen really quick. Because otherwise, it's just going to yes, keep on happening. And we're, we're gotten to the point yeah. now where it's just, oh, another school shooting. You know, so I'm glad Florida yeah. well, students are saying, screw that. Yeah, yeah, they're trying to make this one the last one. So I, I really appreciate what the Florida students are, are doing. And, so do I. You know, we've got to agree that it's it's making going to make changes. That's true. We do agree on that. And we don't always agree. But life's a journey and we're all in this together. Remember, do not become anyone's victim. Hashtag nobody's victim. Thanks for listening. Thanks to The Hammer. Godspeed, Connor, and Godspeed to all of our friends out there. Godspeed, everyone, and thanks for listening. Dueling Dialogues is brought to you by our affiliates at IX Web Hosting. Click the banner on the rightleftchronicles.com to get up to 40% off your first year of the best hosting on the planet. Today's episode of Dueling Dialogue is brought to you by Saucy Eva. Gma's marinade is coming soon to a plate near you to gourmetize your meats and proteins.